you are listening to the Grace and Wrath podcast. This is Mark. Living a truly fulfilling life without Christ is impossible, and choosing to die without Christ is pure insanity. Repentance of sin and belief in the gospel of Jesus Christ is the only way to be saved by God's grace from God's wrath. Welcome back to the Grace and Wrath podcast. If you're new to the show, welcome. In this series, we're telling Bible stories in chronological order and adding tips and commentary to help you share the gospel more easily and effectively. Warning to parents and teachers, this story has material you may find objectionable for younger children. We recommend you personally listen to the story before allowing children to do so. Today's story is Brides for Benjamin. We are still in the book of Judges. The entire nation of Israel prepared for civil war. All the tribes united against the tribe of Benjamin. They declared that no city was exempt from this war. Any that violated this would be destroyed. They also swore an oath that no man would give his daughter to marry a Benjaminite. Both sides gathered massive armies. The commanders of Israel went to Bethel and sought God's leadership. In the morning, the war started. By the end of the day... The Benjaminites had killed many Israelites and had won the battle. The commanders of Israel went before the Lord in anguish. They said, Should we continue this battle against our brothers? The Lord said, Fight them. The next day, the Benjaminites once again killed many Israelites and won the battle. This time, the entire army went before the Lord at Bethel. They made sacrifices and cried out in anguish. They said, Should we go up against Benjamin again or should we stop? The Lord said, Go and fight them. I'll give you victory tomorrow. The Israelite army prepared to fight in the morning. But this time, they hid some of their men behind the city. The Benjaminites came out to fight, and once again it seemed like they were winning. The Israelites pulled back, and the Benjaminites ran after them. They shouted, We always win every battle. Soon the city was unprotected. Those in hiding entered the city and totally destroyed it killing everyone. When the army of Israel saw the smoke coming from the city, they turned and charged back into battle. The army of Benjamin also saw the smoke and knew they'd been tricked. The Lord fought against Benjamin, and soon they were terrified and tried to run, but Israel had them surrounded. The only ones to survive were 600 men who hid in a fortress. Everyone else in the tribe was killed and their cities destroyed. Once it was over, the people of Israel realized what they had done. They went to Bethel and sat before the Lord. They sobbed and mourned, O Lord God, what have we done? Now we're missing one of our twelve tribes. They stayed before the Lord all day and made sacrifices. They said, What can we do? We only have six hundred men from Benjamin, and all their women are dead. They knew it was important that the tribe repopulate. They couldn't give them their daughters because of the oath that had been taken. Suddenly they got an idea. Was there a city that didn't come to battle as they were commanded? One city had disobeyed the order to fight, so the army of Israel went and killed everyone there. The only exception was virgin women. When the battle was over, they had 400 virgins from that city. Israel made peace with the 600 men in the fortress and gave them the 400 women to be their wives. They still needed 200 women. Then they had another idea. They said to the Benjaminites, Shiloh has an annual festival. 
At one point, young women come dancing out of the city. Hide in the vineyard next to the road. When the time is right, each of you jump out and grab a wife for yourself. Take them back to your own land. Don't worry about their fathers and brothers. They'll complain to us, but we'll explain the situation. So the Benjaminites hid in the vineyard next to the road. They waited until the young women came dancing out of Shiloh. At the right moment, they jumped up and grabbed wives for themselves. The fathers and brothers of the women complained, but the men of Israel said, Be kind and let them keep your daughters. They need wives, and we don't have enough to give them. Don't worry about the curse because you didn't actually give them your daughters. They took them. The men of Benjamin went back to their cities and rebuilt them. They settled down with their new wives and raised families. Once again, all was peaceful in the land. Boy, I don't know about you, but when I hear stories like this, how twisted, it's strange when you compare it to today's world and you, you think, oh, how could things get worse? How could we be more depraved? And then you look back at these Old Testament stories and basically realize that we've been depraved and crazy ever since our creation. Um, that's all I can say about that. Let's get into the verses real quick. I just want to read a Matthew Henry commentary about verses 12 to 17. Again, we're in Judges 20. Then the tribes of Israel sent men through all the tribe of Benjamin, saying, What is this wickedness that has occurred among you? Now therefore deliver up the men and perverted men who are of Gibeah, that we may put them to death and remove the evil from Israel. But the children of Benjamin would not listen to the voice of their brethren, the children of Israel. Instead, the children of Benjamin gathered together from their cities to Gibeah to go to battle against the children of Israel. And from their cities at that time, the children of Benjamin numbered 26,000 men, who drew the sword, besides the inhabitants of Gibeah, who numbered 700 select men. Among all these people were 700 select men who were left-handed. Every one could sling a stone at a hair's breadth and not miss. Now besides Benjamin, the men of Israel numbered 400,000 men who drew the sword. All of these men were of war. Then the children of Israel arose and went up to the house of God to inquire of Israel. Okay, this is Matthew Henry, I'm quoting here. They desired them to consider how great the wickedness was that was committed, and that it was done among them, and how necessary it was, therefore, that they should either punish the male factors with death themselves, according to the law of Moses, or deliver them up to the general assembly to be so much the more publicly and solemnly punished, that evil might be put away from Israel, the national guilt removed, the infection stopped by cutting off the gangrened part, and national judgments prevented. For the sin was so very like that of the Sodomites that they might justly fear if they did not punish it. God would rain hail from heaven upon them, as he did, not only upon Sodom, but to the neighboring cities. So they were trying to purge this evil from amongst themselves. And uh, I guess desperate times create desperate measures. That's all I can say, but it's a horrible story. Okay, one thing I would like to go over here, this is from Ray Comfort's Evidence Bible. It's referring to relativism, which is something that you're going to come across as you're witnessing, as you're sharing the gospel with people. Let's read verse 21-25. In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Relativism is the philosophical position that all points of view are equally valid and that all truth is left up to the individual to define. 
This means that all moral positions, all religious systems, all political movements, all truths that are relative to the individual. In other words, there are no right or wrong answers to anything. It's easy to recognize relativism because most of its statements sound intellectual, actually, but they are simply ridiculous and self-refuting. They go something like this. You can't know anything for sure. You shouldn't judge. Nobody's right. You can't know anything. What is true for you is not true for me. All right, so when you're confronted with statements like this, the easiest way to refute these is to simply turn them back around. For example, you can't know anything for sure. So you say, are you sure of that? Are you sure you can't know anything for sure? Or if someone says you shouldn't judge, okay, is that your judgment? And if you shouldn't judge, then why are you judging my judgment? Nobody's right. Are you right? Are you right that nobody's right? And if you're right, then you're wrong about nobody being right. <laughs> and uh, let's see, you can't know anything. Do you know that? Do you know that you can't know anything? And lastly, what is true for you is not true for me. Well, that's true, and what is true for me is that you are wrong. So the next time you're confronted with that relativity nonsense, just turn it around to question the person's logic and help him realize that his point of view is just plain silly. If you haven't already, I encourage you to heed the Lord's call, turn from your sins, believe the gospel, and receive the gift of salvation that Jesus is offering you right now. If you like what you're hearing, please like and subscribe to the program. And please consider giving us a good review. It really does help. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at Grace and Wrath and on the web at graceandwrath.com. Thanks for listening. This is Mark signing off for now. So ride hard, pray often, and talk about Jesus wherever you go.